This is my first time preaching from the fancy new whatever this is. Um, and this awesome new stand. It fits. Look at this. My Bible and my notes fit on it. It's really nice. Oh, how's everybody doing? Have you been enjoying the story that we've been going through? I, I think this has been a really fun uh, capture of, of God's grand story. Well, welcome to chapter four of the story. Our series, it's focusing on this, this story of, of our creator, the one who made it all. And our, our major focus and, and one of our hopes that you see as we go through this story is that there's a common thread that goes from, from generation to generation, from person to person, from, from major character to major character, and, and it, it travels through there. And we hope by the end that you'll see this thread that runs through not only from the beginning to now, but from beginning all the way to the end. And that thread is God. He's the one who ties it all together. And, and too often I, I find that... that when we read the Bible, the ways we read the Bible, we sometimes miss out on that truth. We'll, we'll jump to, to one book and one chapter, and then we'll jump to this other place in, in the Bible, and then we're jumping all over the place that we kind of miss out on this overall flow of the story. And that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this series, to help draw out the narrative that, that, that God has given us, this overall grand story. And I know there's some really tough parts that, 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 that are going to be coming as, as you're reading along, as, 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 as we are preaching these sermons, because we're going to have to skip over some really important parts. We're, we're also going to have to, to, um, to single out certain, certain portions, and, and, and it's tough, keeping it all straight. We are giving you so much information. We are reading so much information in such a short time, learning about so many different people that it could easily get lost. Or, or we forget about a particular person, it, a lot of things can happen. So periodically, throughout this series that we're doing, and remember, this series, we're going all the way through November. This series, periodically, we're going to do somewhat of a recap of, 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 of what's been happening. It's probably best described as a, this is how we've made it to this point review. So that's what I'm going to do right now. I, I've been commissioned by the other pastors that, that this is my, my task right now to catch us up. This is how we've made it to this point. And if, um, if any of you were ever a communications major, which is what I was in college, my communications professors right now will be cringing inside knowing that I was about to give you pretty much just straight information. Because, see, at the beginning of a sermon or at the beginning of, of any kind of, of speech, you want to start with some awesome story or some kind of way to like captivate the audience and bring them in. And here I am, I'm just going to read about people. And that can get kind of boring. So I'm going to kind of make this a little more interesting, raise the stakes a little bit, maybe make it a little more fun. And I'm going to ask my wife right here, my beautiful wife, to, to time me. I got five minutes to get from creation to Moses. Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about Moses today. Uh, we're talking about deliverance, um, his deliverance. And, um, and so I got five minutes, all right? If you want to time me, you're welcome to time me as well. But we're, we're going to see how well this goes. If, if I go past five minutes, it doesn't really matter. This is just more of a challenge for me, isn't it? Okay, here we go. You ready? Go. It all began in the beginning. 
I mean, come on, right? That's where it's supposed to start in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the light and the dark. He created everything. But his most prized creation of all was humanity. He made humankind in his image. That's what he said. He made us in the image of God until we messed up. Sin entered the world. We made our own choices. We chose to disobey God, and everything fell apart after that. Adam and Eve, the first of his human creation, he asked them to leave the garden. Not just asked, he actually more kicked them out of the garden. And then they were, they were on their own. Adam and Eve, they had children. Their children had children. Their children had more children after that. You get the picture. Then comes along this man named Noah. Noah built an ark. We know this because it's the cutest children's story ever. All those cuddly animals crammed into a boat. Mind you, outside in the water are all the dead people that are floating around because that's what God did. Essentially, God was not happy with how sin had engulfed the world. He had t- sin had taken over everyone, everything. And so he, he took Noah and his family, the only righteous ones there were, and he said, we're starting all over. We're doing this again. And, and, and you are going to lead the charge. So Noah, his family, they reproduce. And several generations later comes a man named Abraham. Abraham made a covenant with God. God called him to leave everything behind and to follow him. Abraham did that. Abraham was 75 years old when God promised him that he, he would have a family and that family would become a great nation. Oh, wait a second. Abraham was 75. He didn't have any children. Hopefully he had a young wife. Um, no, that's not the case. Sarai, his wife, was 65 years old at the time. Not saying that 65 was old by any means, but when it comes to childbearing, 65 just doesn't cut it. So, Sarah, fast forward 25 years later, Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90, along comes baby Isaac. I'm 33 years old. I have two infants at home, and I would never wish that upon a 100-year-old and a 90-year-old person. That is ridiculous. There's Isaac. Isaac marries a woman named Rebecca. Now we're getting into some areas where because of time, I have to skip over, blah, 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 blah. Isaac and Rebecca, they get married. They have twins. Yay! Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. He was supposed to receive the inheritance. He was supposed to carry on the covenant and the promise that started with Abraham. But God had a different plan. He used a liar and a swindler, a.k.a. Jacob, Jacob, Esau's brother, to trick Esau out of his inheritance for a bowl of soup, people. A bowl of soup. Unbelievable. So now Jacob has the inheritance. And honestly, though I'm making light of it, God desired Jacob to carry a promise of this covenant. Jacob, in one of his journeys, literally wrestles with God. So cool. I wish I could do that. Not really, because he hurt his hip. Anyway, so here's Jacob. Check it out. Genesis 32. But in that wrestle match, God changed Jacob's name to Israel, which means he who wrestles with God. Jacob got busy, a little insane. He married two women, Rachel and Leah, and also had relations with his wife's servants. Not a good idea. He had 12 children out of all of that. One in particular, one of those children, their names was Joseph. 
He was sold into slavery by his brothers. We learned last week his brothers didn't like him. Then there was Joseph. He winds up in Egypt. And as we learned last week, he spent time in the house of Potiphar, then in prison, then as the second most important person in all of Egypt, under Pharaoh. There was a famine in the land, and through certain circumstances I'm not going into detail about because I don't have enough time, Jacob's whole family joins Joseph in Egypt because they were prepared for the famine that was coming. And that, my friends, is how we've made it to this point. Woo! If you didn't get any of that, check it out online and just listen to it a couple of times because I know I went through it pretty fast. <sighs> Israel's in Egypt. Everyone turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, please. Exodus chapter 3. We have the book of Genesis. That's the very first book in the Bible, and the very next book right after that is Exodus. So Exodus chapter 3. Whew, I'm a little parched after that. Let's pray. Lord, um, your story, it's full of um, unexpectedness. and It's full of, of people who don't deserve to be put in positions that they're, that they're put in. Yet you are the God who invites them in. And I, I think of us today, how we don't deserve to be put in the position that we're in to receive salvation, yet you have called us to be a part of this grander story, this, this, this story, your story. So as we read about those who have gone before us, as we read about this man, Moses, let us learn from him and let us listen to you, Holy Spirit, in this time. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So a little more, a little more background. The, the people of Israel, remember, that, that's how Jacob got his name, wrestling with God. They're, they're now called the Israelites. They were now living in the land of Egypt. Joseph had brought them there, and God blessed them. God blessed them. They increased in number, so much so that it started to worry the Egyptians. After several generations have, had passed, both on Israel's side and, and on Egypt's side, the, the new Pharaoh, the current Pharaoh, had forgot the relationship that was established between Joseph's family and the Egyptians. Thus, Egypt was placed into slavery. I mean, you have to think about it. And in terms of the Egyptians, they're, they're seeing this nation that's, that's living with them, that they're, they're, they're sharing with, starting to grow and grow and grow and get pretty big. And, and here are the Egyptians who, who this land, and, and, this, and they're afraid that, that Israel's going to overtake the land, not remembering why Israel was there in the first place. The Egyptians, they put, them, they put the Israelites into slavery, and they were not kind. Rather, they were ruthless to them. At one point, Israel was growing so quickly that Pharaoh made a decree to have all boys born to Israelite women thrown into the Nile River. He didn't want them to continue those generations growing. Well, one woman, she couldn't bear to give up her son, so she placed him in a basket in the Nile. To make a long story short, Pharaoh's daughter, she stumbles upon this baby who's in a basket in the Nile River. She took the baby boy into her home and called him her own son, and he was given the name Moses. Moses. 
Well, Moses, he, he grew up. He saw one day this Egyptian beating an Israelite slave. Now remember, Moses, he knows who he is. He knows where he's from. He knows he's an Israelite. He knows he's a Hebrew. And he sees uh, an Egyptian beating one of his own people. So Moses, he killed him. More or less, he murdered him. And then he got scared and ran away. He escaped to the country of Midian, where Moses started a brand new life. He, he got a wife, he got children, and he started working for his father-in-law Jethro, who was a shepherd. And it is here that we pick up our focus for today. So hopefully you are in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, that it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Now, I just want to pause right here. As I'm reading this, I know I don't have a great God voice, okay? So I, I have this high squealy pitch voice. So when I'm using God's voice, realize it's much deeper and much more awesomer than what I'm doing. So here's God. He's calling out, Moses, Moses, or Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." Israel was crying out to God for rescue. They were oppressed and overtaken by Egypt. Israel needed freedom. And they knew only God could provide that freedom. And God, he is ready to provide. He is ready to provide that freedom for them. Look, look again at verses 7 and 8. You can see it on the screen if you want. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. But get this part, verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. That's who our God is. See, God could do it on his own. He could. He said, I've come down to rescue them from, from the hand of the Egyptians. And I want us to remember something here. And, and this is um, 
this is, we decided to take this one, one chapter and divide it into two um, to, to help carry along this story a little bit easier. This week and next, we were talking about the deliverance, how God brings Israel out of, this, uh, of bondage and slavery out of, out of Egypt. And I want you to remember, it is God who does that throughout this whole, whole t- these next two weeks. It's God who delivers them. It's not Moses. Moses is not the one that delivers them. See, God, he says, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. It's God who does the delivering. It's God who does the rescuing. But God has a greater story that he wants to tell. The story of deliverance. He calls Moses to be involved in this story too. Exodus 3.10, he says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I love this characteristic of God. I love that's who he is because God could easily do it alone. God could come in and just completely wipe out the Egyptians. And he'd be like, yeah, that was me. I'm God. Worship me. But no. I mean, since the beginning of creation, God hasn't been inviting us into this story, and it's no different here with Moses. He calls Moses into this story of deliverance. God is the rescuer. Moses is simply the messenger who goes to Pharaoh to tell him, guess what? God's going to rescue his people. So you better be ready for it or it'd be easier if you just let him go now. That's Moses' job, to be the messenger. And, and quite frankly and honestly, as we are invited into God's story as well, as we are actually invited into the story of deliverance, that is our that is our purpose as well, to be messengers. God is calling all to be a part of his grand story. God originally made us to be involved in his story when he created us in the beginning. He invited us to rule over the earth with him, but we ruined that because sin came in. We were expelled from the Garden of Eden. God is calling us to be a part of his story of covenant as we saw with Abraham, we, we need to, to, to have a covenant with God. He is calling us into that. And it's to be a part of his commitment as we saw with Joseph last week. Today, it's the same. We are being called into the story of deliverance. For we are all in bondage. And we are all in need of rescue. We're not oppressed by another nation. We're not in bondage to another nation, but what we are in the clutches of is sin. In the world, it's, it's yearning, it's crying out. We, his people, are, are, are calling out for, for a savior, for a rescuer. And though God could do it easily, he could do it alone, and he did on the cross. He still invites us into this story to carry that message. You see, the call is to follow. At least that's how Jesus called his disciples, how he calls us today. He says, follow me. And it's not just some simple follow me and, and just walk behind me, but no, it's, it's, it's a giving away of it all, our life, letting go. 
It's realizing that there's nothing more important in this world than living for Jesus. We have a calling. A calling to share the message of deliverance to this world who is crying out for a Savior. Yet I find for me so often when, I, when I'm being called by God to join in that, that, that message and that story, I meet him with excuses. I meet him with, with reasons why I shouldn't be doing what he's asking me to do. Uh, look, look again in your Bibles to, to Exodus chapter 3. Moses was no different with his excuses. Exodus chapter 3, God in verse 10 calls Moses out. He says, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And listen to how Moses responds. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Skip a verse, and after God responds to that that excuse, that question, look at verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And then they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Another excuse. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? And then chapter 4, verse 10. Moses keeps going with his excuses. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Do you think this guy wants to do what God's calling him to do? As I'm pretty sure he doesn't. But that's the way it goes so often. That's the way it goes, I know, in my life. You see, uh, in Shelby, Ohio, where my wife and I used to live, there was this little boutique that opened up downtown. And one day I was driving by and I saw this, this sign on, on the window asking for musicians to come in and play music on different nights. There was a small stage inside. And, and, and the funny thing is I knew God wanted me to do this. Now, I, I don't do it so much here, play music, but it was something that I, I did a lot in Shelby. And, and I had done it a few times opening for some people, nothing major, maybe like three or four songs. But I knew God wanted me to go in and ask. I I don't know how to describe it. I just knew that's what he wanted me to do. It was a call. He wanted me to go in and ask for an evening to play. But then came the excuses. And and, and these are the excuses that at least I remember that that I kept going about in my mind as the reasons why not to do this. And, And maybe you can identify with some of these excuses. I came with the excuse, God, I'm not sure you know what you're asking of me here. Because I don't really know if I'm, if I'm capable or the person who should be doing this. There are much more qualified musicians. That one makes me laugh because the, the truth is, if you look back through history, the people that God calls, <laughs> they're not really good at, at what they do. God's wanting the weak so he can show how strong he is. This, one, this next one I'm going to share is, is more of like a, a, a pastor's excuse um, but the, there, there's the busyness aspect to it, so you may identify with that. But 
<laughs> this one is, is a good one. God, I'm busy with ministry right now. The ministry, you remember, you called me to? <laughs> so I don't really have time to, to do this, to learn new songs and, and, to, and to go in. Whew. That one I still feel bad for. How about this one? Um, <laughs> this one? I think this is funny. God, if I play music, then people will most likely love what I do, and, and it will go to my head, and I will be pretty prideful, and we don't want me sinning like that. <laughs> that's, the, that's the righteous excuse. I, I know this next one. I, I, I do this one often, and, and I'm sure you guys do too. Maybe this isn't God asking me to do this. Maybe it's just this voice in my head that's telling me I should do it. Sadly, I made excuses for too long. The store actually closed within a year, as most new startups do, and I never got the chance to play. To this day, I am saddened to never have known what God would have done out of that call. I mean, who knows? It may have not even been about playing music. It may have just been sparking up a conversation with the store owner, introducing them to who Jesus is. To this day, I missed out because I made too many excuses. For Moses, the same thing happened. The excuses flowed in, but he didn't miss out. Yes, trusting God is crazy scary. The element of the unknown is so frightening. Put yourself in Moses' shoes. Think about where he is in this, in this stage in his life. The man fled Egypt because he murdered an Egyptian. Pharaoh actually tried to kill him. If you read about it, Pharaoh tried to kill him, but he had already run away because he was scared. I understand this hesitation. I, I get it. I wouldn't want to go back either. But the truth is, and what God is, is patient with us about is, we can't let excuses get the best of us because the call is there for us all. Jesus says it this way in Mark 8, 34. He says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's a hefty call. But that's what he's calling us to. That's the call to be a part of this story. But are we making excuses? I don't know, God. My life is kind of busy right now. God, what about my kids? I really have to spend time and focus on them. God, we just recently got married, and we need to spend time focusing on each other. God, I'm in this new relationship with this girl, and she's really cute, and I want to spend time with her. I don't really have enough time for you. The call to follow is there before us. Are we making excuses? And if we are, I want you to know this. Our beautiful and wonderful God has a righteous patience to bear with us through our excuses, just as he did with Moses. 
Almost all of chapter three and four is God's conversation with Moses and more or less God dealing with Moses' insecurities. See, I'm the kind of person, and, and let's praise God that I'm not God, I'm the kind of person who if I ask something, someone to do something for me, I already have a backup in mind if they say no. And, and so like if they, if they say no, I'm like, okay, and I move on to the next person. But that's not how God operates. He is patient with us. A righteous patience, mind you. He is patient with us. And notice, though, God doesn't just simply put up with the excuses. God flat out responds with truth to Moses' excuses. Again, in in our Bibles, chapter 3, verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And this is God's response in verse 12, and God said, I will be with you. I love this response of God. In his patience, he reminds Moses, it doesn't matter who you are. I am with you. Now, think about that just for a moment. Let that kind of sink in. Moses asks God, why me? Who am I? And God's response is, well, it doesn't matter who you are. I am with you. When God calls us into his story, and oftentimes we do meet him with with that, that question, what makes me so special? Why me? Why are you choosing me? The truth is, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who I am. It only matters who God is because it's his story. He is simply calling us to be a part of it. Moses then gives this excuse in in verse 13. We read it earlier. Moses said to God in verse 13, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I say? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, and right here the Lord can also be understood as I am or Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and the name by which I will be remembered from generation to generation. Once again, we see God's patience revealed in truth. Moses asks for a name, and God gives him a name. And in this name, it speaks much of who God is. And I wish... Oh, I wish I could just spend an hour talking to you guys about this name that is right here in God's word. The name that he gives Moses. It's the name Yahweh. It's the name that that God gave Israel to call him. Sadly, time doesn't permit that. So I'm going to say this one thing about God's name. The word is derived from the Hebrew word to be. And for all of you grammar geeks out there, it's the active present form of the verb to be, which means I am. 
Essentially, what God is saying to Moses and to all of Israel, who will be listening to Moses eventually, God is saying this. My name is forever. My name is always here, right now. My name is always with you, is always by your side. And you can't escape me. You cannot run from me. That is what my name says. And don't forget it. And Israel didn't forget it. If you look in your Bible, I'm hoping that you have your Bibles here. If you see the Lord written, and Lord is in all caps, that is when they use God's name, Yahweh. Every time you see it in the Old Testament, when, they, when you see the Lord in all caps, that's God's name. And Israel didn't forget it. You see, when we give excuses to God, God always meets us with the proper response, the response that we need to hear to get to the point where we need to start telling the truth. You see, because Moses continues to give excuses all the way through chapter four until finally Moses speaks what was really on his mind in the first place. Look at Exodus 4.13. Exodus 4.13. But Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Moses didn't want to do it. He finally says it. Lord, please send someone else to do it. Verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so you can perform miraculous signs with it. And then verse 18, Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. You see, in God's patience and his waiting for us, when we finally come to the point where we are honest with God and, and we're not giving excuses anymore, we're not skirting around the issue, when we are finally there before God, that's when realness happens. That's when God speaks the truth that we need to hear. And, and I want to say this. This is, this, is, this is my take, okay? This is my take on what's happening here because this is something that, that I, I struggle with. I don't like to do things alone. I don't. And I, I'm wondering almost if Moses felt like he was alone here. And there's several times throughout the story of Moses where Moses finds himself alone and, and he needs to have people come around him to help him lead. Moses just was truthful with God. Send someone else to do this. I'm not the guy for you. And once again, we see God's patience revealed in truth. When it comes to joining the story of God's deliverance and God is waiting on us to get to that point where truth comes out, 
He doesn't just put up with our excuses. He tells it like it is. And he speaks truth to our deceptiveness. And while he's waiting for us to join, he's waiting for us to hear him. And what he told Moses was, you are not alone. See, I already have your brother Aaron coming to you. You're not alone in this. And God then even says, not even is Aaron going to be there, but don't forget, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to tell you everything that you guys need to say, and, that I, will, and I will teach you what you need to do. For us, you, myself, we are not alone as, as God calls us into this story of deliverance. We are not alone. I mean, look to your left. Look to your right. Look in front of you. Look behind you. Look at all the people in here. You are not alone in this call to deliverance. These are the people who are asked to join the story with you. See, God doesn't call the expected. He doesn't call the ones the world adores. He calls simply the obedient. Even if it takes a while to get around to that obedience like it did for Moses. God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. To be the messenger. To share the truth that God will be the deliverer. God called Moses, who was a murderer. God called Moses, who was a coward and ran away. God called Moses the excuses maker. He called on Moses, who had no desire to respond to the call in the first place. Moses, though. Moses was obedient to God's call. And I'm excited for us next week to see how that plays out. Once the obedience comes in, what God can do through, through one man, it's amazing. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I want to ask us a few questions before, before we, we enter this, this last time of reflection, this time of, of worship. You see, we have a call, a call to follow me, Jesus said, to deny ourselves, to pick up the cross and to follow him, to join this story of deliverance from sin that we can give to this world. And my question is this, are you making excuses? Are you forcing God to be patient? And wait, are you being honest with God with how you, you are, are having a difficult time in this calling? See, Moses, he had no desire to respond. But God knew that deep down, this was what was best for him. 
for us is the same truth. God wants us to be a part of this story of deliverance. Are you going to be? It's, it's a time to be obedient. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for being our rescuer. Thank you for saving us through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Thank you for giving us life through resurrection. And thank you for inviting us into the story. To, to share the story of deliverance with all. And thank you for, for the man, Moses, who, who went before us and, 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 and wrestled with this, this question of, of how do I respond to this call? And, and thank you. Thank you for being patient with us. Lord, let us stop making excuses and let us answer your call to follow you, to set aside ourselves, to set aside, to deny ourselves, and, and Lord, to pick up our cross and to follow you. Let us do that. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.